I'm going to minister to you totally, I think totally different tonight. Uh, just something the Lord has put in my heart. I, I'm going to ask you, I know you've had a long day. I know it's Wednesday. I know some of you are tired, but I'm going to ask you, if at all possible, shake yourself and wake yourself up. I'm serious. Shake yourself, wake yourself up, and I really want you paying attention. To all of my family that home that usually are watching us at home on Wednesday night, I'm going to ask you to do something. Turn the TV off or put me on the TV, okay? I know how it is. Cardinals are playing tonight. So I'm watching church, watching Cardinals. Come on, I know how we do. I, do, I watch Andy Griffith and watch preachers all the time. It, it happens that way. But I need you paying attention. I really mean that tonight because of what God has put in my heart and my spirit. Uh, I've had a couple crazy things happen, or I should say that's not crazy. Uh, but last night and today, I've had two uh, what I would call strong prophetic voices that I have not spoke to in years call me last night and today. And that have been a part of our life, also been a part of Pastor Val and Sherry's life. So I think we would give precedence and, and credence to them and honor them uh, of the word of the Lord. One of them last night was uh, uh, Prentice Woods that was on staff with Pastor I, under, if I think right, years ago in Jackson, Tennessee. Uh, he is 70, I think he said he was 77 years old now. I don't know when I had talked to Prentice Woods. I, I just don't know when I'd even seen him. And uh, but he called me. He said, I watched the program, I watched the church Sunday morning. And he said, I heard the message about the storms. And he said, I'm telling you, you're right on target. And he said, he said, I'm telling you, there are hurricane force winds that are, that are going to be blowing across the land. But this is what he wanted to share with me. He said, don't fear the wind that is blowing in your face. Don't fear the wind that is blowing in your face. And he said, keep the fire of the Holy Ghost. Keep it, keep it hot and keep it burning. And uh, so I thought, man, God, that's strange. We just got to chat for a, a, a few moments. And, and, uh, but but I, I just found it interesting that he would call me. And, and then today, uh, uh, maybe a name that most of you will be familiar with, especially if you have been following Dutch Sheets and Tim Sheets and those guys over the last, what, couple years, uh, and especially when they were crossing America, uh, was, a or was Prophet Clay Nash. And again, uh, we all go back years of relationship with Clay, and, and, uh, but it's been years since we've been in each other's presence. But out of the clear blue, he called me this morning. He said, I had a dream and you were in my dream, and I had to call you and tell you what, the, what he said I saw in my dream. Because he's one of those that if you follow Dutch's, give him 15. He's one of those dreamers that Dutch is reflecting a lot of times. He said, I see a group of ministers that are trying to open up a vault, an old vault. And on that vault is, one, is the dial. You, you know how you turn it right so many numbers, turn it left, and eventually it's going to open up. He said, I see them struggling. Now, he didn't say that this was for the region. Matter of fact, the more I listened to it, or the more I reflected into it, I believe it's speaking more about our church. And he said, I see, he said, I, I, see, the, I see a frustration of trying to turn that down to get this thing to open up because in it, what's in a vault? Gold or treasure or, or he called it, he said there's glory in it. But he said you walked up, he said I was in the room over here and it's like you wasn't really paying a lot of attention to me. But he said, Zach, I saw you walk up and you told them to get out of the way and instead of trying to turn the dial, you flipped it down and it was though something, what was the word that, I, that he gave, gave to me? He said, you flipped it down, and it was like a digital display, a modern way, a contemporary way, a new way of doing things popped open. And, and the moment you did whatever you did there, he said, the vault opened, and he said, I saw the gold and the glory begin to come out of the vault. And this is what he said, though. This is the interesting part. Maybe I shouldn't even go this way. He said, some 
are going to go away from it. But he said, a lot of us are going to receive it and we're going to stand and walk in the glory of God. He said, I felt like I had to tell you what the Lord was revealing uh, to me. And I, I just began to tell him what I just for a few moments, because we really only had just a couple minutes to chat. And uh, because he had a program he was doing that he had to go into in another meeting and I was telling him about what I was feeling that in this move of God, I said, it is going to be unlike anything that we've ever seen. And he said, I totally agree with you. That's what everybody is saying. It is not going to look like what we have known in our past. Now, I don't know about you, but that kind of really stirred me because these aren't fly-by-night guys. I give them... Uh, uh, you, you know, give them a lot of honor, and, and they've been around a long while. They, they, they've been seasoned, and they, they've been, a, been around a long while. So I, I want you to hear that, that we are in something new. Remember what he said. We've been doing it the old way, trying to find the right number, but the moment I flipped it down, a digital modern display, and, and real easy, it began, and it unlocked the glory and the gold that we were looking for. I, I think that was pretty well all the dream that, that I, I was trying to write in a quick way, and uh, so because he just called and gave it to me. Monday, on Monday of this week, uh, you, you know, we supposed to try to take a day off. I never do in that way because I'm at the nursing home. I go do nursing home ministry and usually having coffee with somebody, meeting with somebody and trying to encourage them and different times. But I mean, out of the clear blue while I'm driving around, Miss Judy, I really believe God spoke to me. And he said, and he spoke to me this, we are in a very strategic moment of time. And everything that we're going to do from this moment is going to be of divine strategy. Now, you need to pay attention to that. And nothing that God has us do, no matter how insignificant it looks, is insignificant. It is going to have divine purpose behind it. I mean, I, had, I just had to stop and start making myself some notes. Now, let me give you a passage of scripture, and uh, I'm going to I'm going to touch this, but not now, because if I could title tonight, I want to title it the game. And I want you to go to First Chronicles. If you want to turn it, turn there. She'll put it up on the screen, or just make a note of it, and we'll get to it in a little bit. But if you'll put that up for me, uh, Miss uh, D, I believe is back there tonight. D, it says this in First Chronicles chapter eleven and verse ten. It says, now these were the heads of the mighty men whom David had, who strengthened themselves with him in his kingdom and with all of Israel to make him king according to the word of the Lord concerning Israel. Now, I want you to see something in this passage. I'm just going to touch it for a moment, leave it alone, come back to it in a little bit. I want you to see the whole purpose of David being positioned of king was for the welfare of Israel. It was not to put a crown on David's head. It was for the welfare of the nation. So that's all I want you to see. But to get to David to that point, it was almost as though God was doing a play in a game. And a strategy was being worked to get him in that position. I might as well touch it while I'm here. Notice what it said. These are the chief of the mighty men who joined themselves with David to make him king according to the word of the Lord. It was the will of David to be king so that the nation would flourish and be blessed. But even though David was anointed by the prophet Samuel, he could not get there without a strategic number of steps being, being made in his life that would position him. We, the church, have to move out of this thing that it's just going to happen and realize we are all, we are all, I'm going to say, valuable and we're game pieces in the eternal plan that God is working on. 
And God is fulfilling. Maybe I should say it like that. I thought, okay, God, I've got to understand something. Help me to understand what a strategy is. So I just went to a definition. I look a lot of definitions up, and this is what it means. It means a plan of action designed to achieve major, uh, to achieve major or, or overall aim. It is, I don't think they're going to put that up. I didn't give it to her. It's a plan of action designed to achieve major or overall aim. Then why, Pastor, why did you call it a game? Because every game, if you're going to win, requires a strategy. Believe it or not. So every game has a couple of things in it. I know she has this. i got to find my notes. i got more than I need up here. But every game, every game requires it. First of all, it has a goal. Or it has a winner that it's trying to get to. Every game. How many likes to play games in here? If it doesn't have an end or an aim, well, you're wasting a lot of time. What makes it fun is every one of us are required to get there. Every game requires people to be a part of it. You know, I've never seen a deck of cards do anything by themselves. It requires people to be involved. I lost my note on that one. I can't find where he's at. But I'll, 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 I think I got it all in my head. Oh, here it is. So it's made up of people. Every game has a place it's played. Every place it's played. Some games you play on a card table. Some games we could play in this room right now. Some games we're going to play on a football field, a baseball field, a basketball court. But they could be played, they could be done in many different places. But every game has a place. Here's also something else a game does. Every game has something that you must work with. Every game. It might be a deck of cards. It might be a pencil. They got some of the craziest games out there now. You stick this thing in your mouth, spreads it out like this. And you got you to, whatever it does, you got to say something. You, you got to do all that. How many remember that old game, Twister, from years ago? How many's had one? Yeah, you know you got that in the floor, but not only you just don't have the, the mat with all the dots on it, but you have a spinner because it tells you what you got to do. Every game has, it has something that is needed, it has a tool, it has something that you must use to work with. Here's something else that most games have. It has a move that you got to make. Every game, you're going to make a move. It might be your turn that you're going to lay a card down. It might be your turn, you're going to roll the dice. And I used to love to play Monopoly. They used to be of cheating all the time because I won all the time. But we would move, move the thing. Every game, most of them, requires movement. So it is in the things of the Lord. So in a strategy, I want you to hear this tonight. In a strategy, there are strategic people, there are strategic places, and there are strategic moves. You and I have got to get that in our head. Because it's not moving for moving's sake. It's moving to win the game. we got to have the right people in the right places sometime. Doing some of the things. Y'all know I like, I know I got Cubs fans and y'all get saved one day. But I was watching the Cardinals last night and they went through a whole lot of pitchers. And barely won the game. But sometimes they'll bring one pitcher out in a strategic move. They'll bring a right-hander out to throw against a left-hander or vice versa one way. And he's only going to pitch... He has sat on that bench. They'll even put up, he has had a week's rest. He's sitting on the bench, eating sunflower seeds, spitting all the time, hoping he's going to get on the, on the field, and he may only throw to one batter. But that was his whole assignment. That was the strategy. This guy can get that guy out because he can't hit him. Football's the same way. 
They don't bring their fastest player in sometimes to go a yard or to go a couple of feet. They'll bring Otto in. He's the guy that's got chained to the bench. They feed him raw meat. They talk about him, and they get him all fired up, and then they release him. He's as broad as the, you know, almost a football field. He weighs 300 pounds, but who's going to stop him? Because they don't need him to run the length of the field. They need, to, they need him just to go one yard and to bust through that other line. See, we got to start thinking that there are strategic people. Everything that we do is going. And, and matter of fact, I'm going to tell you right now, every one of you are strategic to this move of God. But you've got to think beyond this house. I had to preach this to my brother today. He's all fired up and he's preaching at his church tonight. And I told him, here's the deal. See, you may shop at Walmart all the time. But you're going to have to learn that in this moment, being strategic, God may speak to you and say, don't go to Walmart. Or maybe I want you to wait till later tonight to go. But God, that's what, no. You're going to have to learn how to move with the Spirit. He might want you to go to Walmart to get milk. And that's the only reason you're going there is to get milk for in the morning. But God has another agenda for you if you are sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Hello. But he also spoke to me. You're going to have to learn to feed your spirit and not your flesh. And most of us are not going to move in the strategic positioning if all we're doing is feeding this flesh. I have got to learn to feed my spirit. Then I've got to learn to trust it. Well, what am I going to do? I don't know. He may not tell you to the last moment. And it may not be a big deal in your eye, but it's a big deal to God. And it's a big deal to who he is sending you to and what he's doing. I got in line the other day to get uh, my grandchildren. They were with us on Monday and Wednesdays and sometimes Fridays. So I meet Stacy at the donut shop. To pick it up because she goes to work. So I get Samuel donuts and JC wants a biscuit. So I got to go two places. <laughs> Thankfully, donuts and McDonald's are close. So I get Samuel his donut. I get in the line at McDonald's to get a $2 biscuit, whatever it is. And I get to the window and the lady says... Your order has been paid for by the person in front of me. And I thought, well, should I pay for the person in back of me? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not that I couldn't, but I didn't feel to do that. But that person felt led to bless. But what if it was me to get in the line? I saw this on TV the other day. Somebody was paying, what do they call that, paying back forward? So this lady's in the line, and she said, I want to take care of the car behind me. They said, okay. Their order was over $100. Now, she didn't check it out. She went ahead and done it. But who knows what that was all about. See, we're going to have to learn to trust in the little things. Whether you understand the move or not, you're going to have to trust the dealing of the Holy Ghost. And that more is happening. And you don't know what is being released by the power of God into that life. Sunday morning. I don't know if y'all paid attention. But I hurt my knee last Friday doing something here at the church. I couldn't hardly walk up those steps. And so I thought, as a matter of fact, I even told Chad, because y'all know I'm on the platform every Sunday morning. I, I told those guys, I said, I don't think I can. I think I need to do it from the floor. But I don't like being on the floor on Sunday morning. That's just me. So I thought, you know what? I'm not going to go there until I have to go. Because it hurt to walk up the steps. And I tried to do it without you knowing it. You know, without limping or w without groaning and moaning because it hurt. So when we gave altar call, 
when we gave altar call, I called for people who want to be prayed for. So I came down. So I had Josh pray for me. And I want to tell you, Josh didn't pray but about five to ten seconds. He didn't get in some, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost on you, Pastor. He didn't do any of that. He just simply laid his hands on me, told the pain to go, said be healed. He's done. That was it. It didn't last 10 seconds. I think one time he did reach down, maybe touch my knee. And you know what? The pain started leaving. And by the afternoon, honestly, by the afternoon, I was able to go up and down the steps in my house. And there's a lot of steps going more than that, going up and down. And it wasn't bothering me. Matter of fact, he texted me after, after lunch. How's your knee? I said, hey, dude, I believe it's feeling much better. So I texted him this morning. I said, man, my knee is a, it's a whole lot better. I can climb the steps. See, it don't take a lot. You've got to trust. You've got to trust the simplicity of what Holy Ghost is doing. And get out of this nonsense. i got to feel something. I'm going to walk by what I feel in my spirit, not by what I see. And what I've been trained to do. Am I okay? Are y'all okay? It's not me okay. Are y'all okay? So I, the Lord began to just remind me of something. And y'all know me. I, I, I believe in, how many believes in the prophets in here? How many believes in, well, why are you listening to them if you don't? Because you're just messing yourself up. And you're getting mad. But 2 Chronicles 20 says, if you believe God, you'll be established. Believe his prophets, you'll prosper. The word established there, one definition means, if you'll be God, you'll, if you'll believe God, you'll be safe. And if you'll believe his prophets, you'll prosper. And never has there been a time, every time I turn on somebody, I hear people saying, this is the hour that God has released the prophets to speak into the body of Christ for this hour. And we've got to pay attention to them whether we like what they're saying or what we don't. See, so we've just got, we've got to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. So, all year long, God's been speaking to this house. I believe, now, now, I believe in our gods. I believe in this man right here. I don't know how many times he spoke into this house, spoke into our life, spoke into you. But I, I give great honor and respect, not because he's here, but because I believe the gift that's in him. I also believe in our other apostolic overseers, Mitch Clay and Steve Sampson. I give great honor to them. I also believe in some new friends that have come into our life, people like Prophet Aguilar. Did I give great, great honor to you. And also, uh, uh, Apostle uh, Anthony, thank you. Apostle Anthony Sargent. And, and so when these guys speak, I don't know what y'all do. I really try to pay attention. And so I've gone back again. I pulled out the prophecy. So y'all just hang with me for a few moments. Is that all right? Well, I'm going to do it anyway because what i got to do. But you got to hear what they've been saying. Mitch Clay, at the beginning of the year, at the beginning of the year when I had him and Pastor Val and Steve Sampson here imparting into us, this was the word of the Lord in January of this year. Radical change is coming to this place. And this place is set to be a supernatural house where, listen, where all are flowing in the life of God. Now, how are you going to know? Because when I begin to read these, Charlie, I had to think about some words. And I got several different. How you and I, what does radical mean, first of all? It's far different than what we've seen. That's what radical is. Most of y'all look at the guy in the football stands in Lambeau Field in the middle of winter with his shirt off and with his body painted and the letter for his team on there, we would all come, that guy's a nut. He's a fanatic. You know what he is? He's radical. And he'll go where you won't go. Or we'll look at those fans and 
20 degree below weather sitting in a stadium and, and we, we, I see all this stuff, us religious folks do that. You will say, man, they'll sit in 20 below zero weather in a snowstorm and be covered up and sit there freezing but won't dawn the house of God. You know what they are? They're radical. They're radical for what they believe in and what they do. And the word supernatural, I thought, okay, God, this place. Remember, this is, remember again, there is a strategic people, there's strategic places, and strategic moves. So if he said this place is a supernatural house where all are flowing in the life of God, what does that mean? The only definition I could come up with that you don't know how it's happening. And it's all about God doing it. That shouldn't happen. Peter shouldn't walked on water, but he did. Water should have never turned to wine, but they drank it. And they couldn't figure out how it was done. And you and I are going to have to co- I, I just don't know how God's going to do it. Because see, our religion's going to get in the way. Well, we didn't pray enough for that to happen. We didn't dance enough for that to happen. We didn't create the atmosphere enough for that to happen. That sure looks like we're going backwards instead of forward. But if you and I are not careful because we're we're trying to be the people that are following God, we're really following our religion. Hello? Are you okay? This is why. This is core stuff because if you and I don't embrace it, we can forget the rest of it. And then on that same weekend, Pastor Val and Miss Sherry had one of their, I take a son in the Lord, Bruce Gander, and his wife, Tabitha, were here. And he asked to prophesy in that night. He came and stood right there and said, I got a word for this house. Now I want you to pay attention to this. What the enemy has meant for evil, God is going to work it for good. Now listen to this. A new strategy coming to you. Now, that may not mean anything to you, but you don't know how I was praying. Because I I was asking even several weeks before the year ever turned, God, I want to go in with a clear strategy this year. So he said a new strategy is coming to you. They say you can't teach old dog new tricks. But God is bringing a freshness. Okay, you old dogs. You better listen. You better listen. God said, I'm going to bring a freshness to you. Strategy is coming to you. And God is opening up. Listen. He's opening up new ways, new avenues, and new doors. And I looked and I saw this river. And it's close to here. And when the river gets ready to expand, it just does. And there's nothing going to hold it back. And God is going to bring an increase. And God says, we're going to need strategically to do some teaching on increase. For the purpose of increase isn't to run off those that have been here. He's not talking about increase of money. He's talking about increase of reaching people. That it doesn't run us off. You better pay attention. Okay. And then he said, the purpose of increase isn't for someone to come in and do what others have been doing. But the purpose of increase is for unity and strength. And God says strategically we will be able to teach and proclaim and lay out the vision and the purpose of this increase and expansion. Exponential growth. Now, you just spoke that word just a few weeks ago. Exponential growth that no one, exponential growth that no one walks in fear of it. No one is turned off by it. No one is running away because of it. They are getting hold of the vision that God gives to us present, even in a fresh way, fresh manna, a fresh new delivery. 
Hello, it may not be running and spitting. Hello, it may not look any... Y'all just going to have to discern some of this on your own. Because see, we all got stuff we like. We all do. We all got preachers we like. It's not what they're saying, it's how they deliver it. It's kind of like the night we stopped at a restaurant after church. I think I made mention of this a few weeks ago. We went to one of the restaurants in one of the other Pentecostals in church town where there and some of their people. They come up to me. I said, hey, guys, how you doing? This was the word they asked me. Do you all have good church tonight? I thought, good church? We always have good church. But that's not what they were asking. They were asking, were we running the aisles? Were we bouncing off the walls? Were we jumping flip-flops? And See, because we, I love stuff like that. I, I'm serious. When you've been brought up in it, I love, I love a fireball, uh, what's his name, Rod Parsley that can, I mean that guy can preach the pain off the wall and he can make you feel hell and he can get, cause you to sm- smell this fragrance of heaven all at the same time. I love it. But then sometimes when those guys just sit there and can't move, don't have any personality, I struggle. Not with what they're saying. I struggle with delivery. Because it's how they do it. But they're as anointed as the other dude. Okay, got to get off of that. A fresh new way, fresh man, a fresh delivery. And when it happens as it does, sometimes people leave. And instead of just saying, seeing a lot of new people, we're going to see growth. New faces and the old faces are still going to be here and the new faces are going to be here and everyone is going to be able to mingle together and grow together and every joint supplying in the body of Christ increase just comes and comes and comes and it doesn't stop for the increase of his kingdom. There is no end. So we're going to grow. We're going to need each other. We're going to supply one another. But also at that same night, Mitch Clay again speaks. And he says, the Lord says, I've gathered you from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And I've gathered you into this place for my work, for the expression of my Christ. I didn't gather you because you were qualified. I didn't gather you because you were worthy in that way. You unskilled, uh, you're unskilled, and that brings uh, one great glory. I've gathered you together because of my sons and my, because you're my sons and daughters. I've gathered you together to form my church and my family in this place, in this region. There's the strategic place and positioning for the region. Because, uh, 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 let me find, lost my place. I've gathered you in this place. For this region, and the Lord says, I will glorify myself through you. I will cause my name to be known in this region because of you. This is a season not to defend your position, but to become vulnerable, lay down your defenses, lay down your thinking, your guards, your doctrines, the ideas of ways of doing things. And become defenseless and know I will be your strength. This is a moment I releasing orders. Your orders. The direction of the assignment I've given you. You are well able and you have need. All you have need of is within you. This is a season of exposing and uncovering. And I'm causing you to see what is inside of you. And many in this place who feel unworthy and unable will see my grace arise. You will see my strength, my wisdom, my glory come to you and through you. And I will glorify myself through you. And the least among you will be the greatest. Every part of this body. Listen to what he says. Every part. Everybody say every part. Every part of this body has grace been given to it. You all have value. Look at your neighbor and say, you got value. Now, now time for you to be developed. The body of Christ, 
to look like Christ, to be fully functioning and walking in all he has called us in. Before the foundation of the earth, this destiny was in my heart for you, says the Lord, for this moment. Put aside your doubts, your unbelief, the accusations of the enemy, and do not receive value. Listen, this is key. Do not receive value from what is spoken against you, but receive true value from my words, for we are well able. Children in good standing, you will be my body, you will be who I have called you to be, for I have released everything necessary from heaven and earth, prosperity for that which I have assigned you to. Everybody in this place has value. Everybody in this place has purpose in this moment of time. Every person in this place is strategic. If you're finding your value at certain things, you're going to get disappointed in this moment. That's what he's saying. Lay down some of the stuff. Be willing to let God do it. That, that become, I, I've learned this. The stronger the giftings that come around, the more It's going to reveal your insecurities. I'm going to say it again. The stronger the giftings that come around, the more your insecurity will surface. I've had to to deal with it with him. I'm not going to lie. I had to deal with it with him. Because of strength of his gift that comes in. Doesn't make him bad, doesn't make me bad, but it reveals something in me. That's why he reminds me. He is an overseer of this house, but he says, Pastor, you're my pastor. And never has he come to try to usurp his authority over me. Even when he wants to bring direction to me, he will leave it. It's your call. Hello, I'm, I'm just, I'm just got to be real. So if I feel that, huh? If I, if I deal with that, I guarantee you you're going to deal with it. From, I don't care where we're serving. We're all going to deal with these things. If somebody comes in to seem like, well, you're giving them more attention to me, and I've been around here all these years, I'm telling you, it's going to reveal your heart. What did we share with you Sunday morning about the storm? The storm reveals what's on the inside of you. What did he say? You're being, we're in a season of being revealed. But the quicker I can acknowledge it and yield myself to God, the better off I am. You know, there were two major things that Jesus had to deal with his disciples that followed him all the time. One was this. Who's the greatest one? We deal with that in the region all the time. Who's the great one? Who's the greater call? Who's the greater anointing? Who's the greater preacher? Who's the greater singer? Who's the greater this? Who's the greater that? You know what Jesus said to him? You want to be great? Serve everybody. Become the least. That's what he said. Here's the other, other issue they had. They all wanted the seat of glory. Hey, Jesus, can I sit in your glory on the right hand or on the left? You know what Jesus said? That's not for me to give you. Because it isn't a seat. If you know who you really are, you'll become my glory. But they were looking for a position and not being the glory. He had to deal with that with those, those goofy disciples for three, the whole time he walked with them. Why do you think Peter did what he did? Hey, God, I'll burn for you. Hey, he's sitting around a campfire. Little girl walks up. Hey, you're one of them. Oh, no, I'm not. She said, you sound like him. No, I don't. A third thing, she said, you've been with him. Then he really had to get mad and he started, no, I haven't. That was Peter, the guy that said, God, I'm going to burn for you. I'm going to die for you. I'll give it all for you. You really mean that? Because you're going to be tried at that. I better get off that. That's another message in itself. But also that same night was a word that came, and this word came to us. But it was spoke the same night. It said, there is a grace 
I hear the verse, he will train your hands to war and your fingers to fight. Grace and wisdom, listen, and strategy to fight and to win war. War is big, fight is small. So our hands are learning to war and our fingers to fight. I hear the Lord say, it is not like it was before. Don't take your cues from the past. He's talking to us. But that affects all of us. Don't take your cues from the past. Don't look back. Don't think back. For everything good from the past, we have wisdom and experience, and we have it. You don't need to look back and search back. You have it. Now is a day. Lift up your eyes and look forward. I see the Lord visiting you strongly and giving to you wise words, wise insight, I even hear the prophetic, uh, the the prophet heard in the what the prophet heard in the chamber of the king, and was privy to hear that the evil one thought was private and for himself. I hear the Lord saying, "I will give you access to which is even hidden by the enemy, and you will hear and be privy to that which is necessary." I hear the Lord saying, "You are not going to counterattack or respond to attack." But you will lead a charge of my army, a charge that comes direction of his spirit, (coughs) but it won't be a response to the enemy, and it will be a response to the Holy Spirit that is very powerful. Instructions right there. You are not to counteract, but hear and obey, and you will lead the charge of the Lord's army. Now, I don't think that's just for me and Diane. That is for all of us. We're not going to jump into every battle that's going on out there. But hear what the Holy Ghost is saying. There has been a weariness that has come from your frustration, that has come from a passion to see the Lord glorified, to see the Lord honored, to see the will of the Lord come to pass. And I see the Lord giving you rest, and I see the Lord giving you peace. Now, if you'll think back over the last month, both of those messages about peace and rest have been declared into this house. If you were paying attention. I don't mean that crudely, but if you were hearing what the Lord was saying. I see the Lord giving you peace. I see the Lord bringing you a place of contentment as you wait before him. This is a a dropping down from the soul to the spirit. It is a deeper thing. You're going to rest in the Lord. And you're going to know that the Lord is for you and not against you. He is releasing what you need when you need it. And the Lord sees your heart. He sees your passion and is pleased with it. But it can't drive you to frustration. It can't drive you because when it pushes, it will push you into a place You will be ahead of time or out of line. Please pay attention to that. If you're being pushed, if you're in a place of frustration and being pushed, it will push you ahead of God or it will push you out of line. So rest, so rest and know I've called you. I'm directing you and I go before you. I make a way, I'm preparing those things. I have choreographed and orchestrated your steps, and they are ordained, and these things you have need of in, uh, I guess I lost the rest of it. In, I'm going to end it right there, because I don't know where the rest of them went. I'm just going, but I do want to touch this. I have orchestrated and choreographed. Now, I want to give you definition of what, what that means. To orchestrate, orchestrate means to arrange for performance. To arrange for performance. To choreograph means to compose the sequence of steps and moves as though a group is dancing to be in line. The steps have been set. What does the Bible say? The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. What did he say just a month ago? We have completed the journey of a thousand steps. And now we are stepping into a next step day. So God is orchestrating our step. 
It also means to plan and control. In other words, God is controlling the motion. Then following them, there's two minutes. I can't give you every word, but, but you need to hear. Are you okay for just a few more moments? Anthony Sargent again. I think we all love Anthony. I'd love to get him back here again. The Lord says to this place, strategic, tell them they're getting ready to see a victory. He said, because what you have travailed through and pushed through and put up with, the Lord says, my hand is upon you and my hand has been upon you. My eyes have been upon you, and I have seen your faithfulness. I have seen you travailing through good and through the bad, through the thick and through the thin. And because of your faithfulness, God says in the coming days, we're going to see a victory that you have been fasting for. You're going to see a victory you've been praying for, and you're getting ready to see a breakthrough that you've been desiring in your lives Because I'm the God of breakthrough and I still work miracles. And the Lord says, he says, in the coming days, keep your eyes upon him because you're getting ready to see a miracle in this place. You're getting ready to see me orchestrate things. Two different prophets speaking at different times. You're getting ready to see me move things around right now. I see a chess piece, and the Lord is getting ready to strategically move people around in this place, and I'm going to move some around. I'm going to to take some out, and I'm going to put some in, and God is getting ready to bring the hammer down in a good way. He's getting ready to settle issues in this place. And he said, I'm the final authority. He said, I have the final say in this place. Do not be despaired by anything the natural eye can see because I'm doing a work that no man will be able to see. What he's saying is, you'll see it, but you won't understand it. You'll not understand that he's working it. How could he do something with that? Because he's God. Because he's God. He can do it. And he said, I'm doing a work in this place that no man will be able to see. Some despaired, some are weary, but, but your eyes see. But I say, lift up your eyes and come to a new level that the Lord is saying, come and see that I'm good. Come and taste because I'm good. That's what we sang tonight. Because of your faithfulness, because you've travailed, because you have pushed through, the Lord said, I'm getting ready to bring a new breakthrough. Don't look through your natural eyes or with your natural or hear with your natural ears because you now because you you now see or hear it. Uh, only the spiritual eyes will see and hear. The enemy has been lying to sons, and it's a lie, and he's the father of lies, and I command you to be loose from that light and any tie and attachment to it. Strengthen the feeble knees and lift up your heads for I'm doing a work in this place. Okay, can I give just a couple more? Hey, hang on, I'm, I'm about done. We're going to, because I think, listen, it's not you just hearing me, but somewhere you're going to have to say, Lord, we agree. We're going to have to say yes, Lord, to it. We've got to embrace it. A brother that wasn't here, but he usually travels with, with uh, Pastor Anthony Adam Williams. He was here back in the uh, last year when Tony Kemp was here, and they prophesied together. He called me up, not even knowing that Apostle Anthony had been here. He said, I see a door open to you, and you enter a very large domed room, and it's dark, and you come as though you're standing on a cliff, and you have to get across the room. To another door, and once you get across and go through the door, it will all make sense. But while you're going through this, it is a time the Lord is going to teach you something new, and the angels will be present to help you get across. The darkness of this moment isn't sin or evil, but it's rather the unknown of everything, and will look uh, of everything how it will look or be uh, or be. But you are to rest and trust the Lord, for this is his doing. Now, two more and I'm done. Pastor Val, April 24th. 
the Lord would say, I've come into this place and I no longer come or have I ever come as a visitor. You use the term visitation and I expect you to drop that term for I do not come in a visitation. I have come to inhabit. I have come to occupy. I have come to be in you and with you forever. So look at your neighbor and say, he's here. Doesn't matter what you feel, he's here. He says, I've come at my own will and choosing, and I've walked into this place as an inhabitor. I did not come to participate with you in your religious activities. I've come to overtake you with my power. I, <coughs> I did not come to participate in your stuff. I come to lead you in my way. I didn't come here to make a friend. I came here to be king. I didn't come to ask your opinion. I come to, deli to deliver my edict and command. I'm not here as somebody who just serves you. I'm here to be, to be the, uh, the soon coming king who walks in you and for you. I'm here to deliver you out of every aspect of darkness and walk you into my way, and, and I have not come into this place to put you on the back. Uh, I have not come to this place to put you on, pat you on the back or to make you feel good or to stroke your egos. I have come to grab you by the hand and walk you um, out of the jail cell, out of the prison, out of death, and walk you into eternal life. I have come that I can bring you to the fullness of everything that I am carrying you into, the glory I have prepared. Even now, I'm bringing you into that place, and if you reach out your hand and let me take it, I will walk you through it, out of it, and will lead you into, into, into my promise. It is your time to walk with me and my time to be your king. It is time for you to turn and remove your heart from any form of uncleanness. It's time for my body to separate themselves from the things of this world and turn and seek after my righteousness and goodness. And I've called you for such a time as this, and I have made you. And he also spoke a word. He spoke this word. I don't know if you heard it. He said something about God's edict. Edict, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. I don't never remember ever hearing him use that word around me. I don't know if it's a word you use all the time. I thought, okay, what does that mean? It means an official order or proclamation. So God said, this is officially from me. Do I want to read any more? Let me get to David real quick and land this jet because my time is well over. I think you got enough of the prophetic. Now, remember what the word said about David. Remember, I'm talking to you about the game. Every game has a strategic people, has strategic moves, has a place, has a goal that it's trying to accomplish. So David had to be king of Israel, not to put a crown on David's head, not even to take out a giant, but for the welfare of the nation of Israel. Because the nation of Israel had turned from God, Miss Judy, you know it. And they said, make us a king like we can be of all the nations of the earth. And they went to that with the prophet Samuel. And Samuel gets upset and God said, they don't have a problem with you, Samuel. They got a problem with me. I will give them what they want. But this is what you're going to tell them it's going to lead to. And there's several things in 1 Samuel, I believe it's chapter 8. I'm not going to read all these verses. I'm going to do this real quick. And we're going to, could you go to that keyboard for me just for a minute? He said, tell them the first thing he's going to do, I'm going to take their sons and daughters. I'm going to take your children. I'm going to take your future. And it's going to serve me. Saul represents everything this flesh is about. Not only is he going to take your sons and daughters, he's going to take what belongs to you. He's going to take your lands. He's going to take your goods, and it's going to be his. Not only is he going to take your goods, is he going to take your lands. He's going to take your worship. He's going to take what belongs to me, and he's going to claim it to himself. He said, go tell them, I will give them what they want. They said, that's what we want. We want a king 
And God gave him a king that was head and shoulders high, good looking, attractive. Everything about him was appealing to the flesh. And you know what happened to Israel? He led them in to just that. To where they're defeated, they're back up at a giant. And Saul, instead of pursuing God, he pursues a witch. Right? He pursues a witch for his direction. Man, you ought to heard some stuff. I was listening to a prophet today that's going on in, I believe it's Switzerland. If I understand, it's the first time I heard this word, CERN, C-E-R-N, that there's a movement in Switzerland that they are literally opening up portals of hell to overthrow everything that God is doing in the world. That's another message in itself. <coughs> Saul seeks after the witch to get direction. God says enough. He puts his hand. He can't wait for the priest. He decides, I'm going to take care of my own worship. I'm going to take care of my own thing. And he just does it his way. God says enough. And he raises up, he raises up a ruler. His name is David. But David's just a child, insignificant. So when Samuel is sent to the house of Jesse at Bethlehem, he goes to anoint the new king. And so he meets Jesse, and Jesse brings these sons. All of them look like warriors, and evidently they look kingly. And Samuel's getting ready to pour the oil in. God says, no, that's not him. Seven sons of Jesse passed by, and God rejected every one of them. And finally God said, is there not another one? Is there not? Samuel says, is there not another? He said, yeah, he's out taking care of the sheep. He wasn't even identified by his own father. He was the eighth son. Some say, history says, I don't know. I couldn't prove this one way or the other. Said that David was actually born out of wedlock. And that's why he wasn't identified with his father like the rest of them. I don't, I'm not going to go there. But he's not identified. He said, bring him before me. And when David comes, just a little shepherd boy, he didn't look like much. He didn't look like he ought to be a king. And God said to Samuel, pour the oil on him. So he's anointed. See, we have this thing that every time that God speaks to us, it all happens the next day. It doesn't happen that way. He goes back to the sheepfold. And then Saul is troubled. Saul is troubled by an evil spirit. Something is happening. Something is stirring. And he calls for a minstrel. I may have the story a little bit ahead of time so my scholars can correct me. So he goes and plays in the court of, da in the court of King Saul. But while he's there, Saul's growing more angry all the time. But now he's back in the sheepfold. And his brothers are out in the battlefield against the Philistines. And dad's concerned about the Philistines. And so dad tells David, hey, I want you to go check on your brother. That's all he said to him. Go check on your brothers. Take a flask of wine and some bread. And go bring me report. Make sure my sons are okay. Insignificant journey, Miss Judy, to carry. You mean I got to carry bread? You mean I got all I can do is fix the meal for the regional guys? You mean all I get to do is stand at the door, shake hands, drive the bus? Or you mean all I get to do is they want me to go just check on somebody? Insignificant, but very strategic. So when David gets there, all of Israel is backed up, all of these great warriors. And Goliath is screaming, give me a man to fight for me. And if he beats me, we will all serve. But if I beat him, you all serve me. David is there checking on his brothers. And he hears the roar of Goliath. And he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And you know the story. He goes and slays Goliath. He takes Goliath's sword and he cuts off his head. Now we got something happening. A new elevation is happening. The people start shouting, Saul has slain his thousands. And David has slain his ten thousands. Saul's spirit is troubled. He calls for the minstrel. David comes back to the throne. Can you imagine this? Anointed to be the king, anointed to sit on the throne, but you didn't get to, you don't get to go sit on the throne. You just have to go appease the king. 
You just got to go in and play some music. You're anointed to be king. That ought to be my throne. And the more he plays, the matter Saul gets. But his spirit is calm because of the anointing on David. But the people are shouting. David has slain his thousand and Saul his ten thousand. And Saul becomes jealous and he picks up a javelin and he launches it towards David. And now it puts David on the run. We all look at it, David's running for his life. No, David's running into position. Because as David goes on the run for several days, there's opportunity that he could have taken Saul's life at any moment. But he had enough God. He said, I will not touch the anointed of the Lord. And he spared him. And David winds up at a place called the cave of Adullam. And I really believe, I'm personally one of those to believe that these were the mighty men of David. He goes to the cave of Adullam where these people are fearful. They're in hiding. They're broke, busted, and disgusted. That's basically what the Bible says about them. But when David arrives, something is recognized about David. We recognize the hand of God upon you, David. And we're going to help you fulfill the word of the Lord. You have to understand something. It looks like he was running from a javelin, but he was running into position. It was a strategic move because he could not overthrow. Listen, he could not overthrow throw Saul on his own. He had to let the people position him so that he could fulfill the purpose of God. These are the chief of the mighty men. But because what they saw upon David, it elevated every one of them. It brought them out of hiding. Stacy, it put courage in them. I believe it released their giftings. That's why I believe these mighty men could do. Some of these guys were so bad. One guy welded a sword in his hand and he guarded the pea patch just with the sword and he fought off 3,000 men protecting the pea patch. A strategic move done something in them. My kids, my boy, they still play video games. She used to play them. And they had this worked out. You had this guy that was going to fight this bad guy. But you would run across something, a star or a circle or a square, whatever. And once you got there, you got superpower. That you could defeat that thing. Or you got more lives. You have to understand, it was all strategic. I got to get to the star. I got to get to the square. There are strategic moves that God will have you. Right now, you don't understand it. Right now, it doesn't look like you're getting promoted. I remember when I came here 25 years ago. Driving over in a church that was upside down. Didn't know if it would survive. Talked about getting rid of everything. And God speaks to me and said, this is promotion. Cairo, Olive Branch, Highway 3. Pastor, I'd been looking. I had plans to get on a jet plane every weekend, cross the country, preach somewhere, get a big check, let everybody brag on me, and come back home, play golf through the week or fish or whatever, and do it the next weekend. And God says, go to Cape Girardeau. You remember, you were working with me. God said, it was If I paid attention to my flesh in that time, had it not been for her, because we'd done it for a year, driving back and forth. Man, I remember some nights going home on Wednesday night. I was so dog tired. I'd get on that bridge. It looked like that whole bridge was covered with taillights. And there was only one vehicle in front of me. It's a wonder I didn't crash and burn, but I remember when she said, look, Either you get this people a pastor or you pastor. I'd already said it'd take a man with a half a brain to do it. I said it several times. And there I, I there I am. But see, she had she had to provoke me. And I remember just telling God after that. She said, We're tired. The boys were tired. You ought to have been in the car with the boys then. 
I remember one time stuck on, on the levee road between Wycliffe and the Cairo Bridge. She would say, just 30 seconds, please shut up. But I told God, I said, God, all I know is this is where you have me. And I'll treat this place like I'm here for the rest of my life. But if you tell me to leave tomorrow, I'll go. The moment I did that, something settled in me. And it was okay. And after I settled that, that's when things began to open up. My house sold there. We bought a house here. And we began to transition and the move became. And things began to happen here. But I had to settle something of what God was saying. And I couldn't look at my flesh. And I even had guys, past, thank God for Pastor Val and Miss Sherry, staying with me. Because I had guys say, you need to get away from that thing. That thing is going to burn you. That thing is going to hurt you. But I knew I couldn't leave. I knew we were in the will of God. It was a strategic move. Not only for, wasn't just about us. It's about this place. But I've always believed that it's never been about this corner alone. But it's been about this whole region of why God has positioned us the way He has.